Today on this episode of the PV Roundup Specialist Spotlight. I really do think this is a very interesting approach to um, uh, inhibiting VEGF. This is sort of almost in the science fiction realm. And again, this is very early data. Today, Drs. Diana Doe and Eric Schneider rejoin the podcast to continue their discussion of highlights from the 2023 annual meeting of the American Society of Retinal Specialists, part two, in this PV Roundup Specialist Spotlight. Regeneron is pleased to support this educational resource for healthcare professionals who provide retinal care. The content is solely the responsibility of the authors and does not necessarily represent the views of Regeneron or its affiliates. Hello, I'm Dr. Diana Doe at the Byers Eye Institute at Stanford University. And I'm Eric Schneider uh, from Tennessee Retina in Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome back. We're now going to discuss some of the exciting data on gene therapy for retinal vascular diseases. Eric, can you share with us what exciting data you saw at the ASRS annual meeting in 2023? Yeah, another sort of one-and-done option uh, was presented by Christine Kay. This was uh, the 4150 uh, platform, and this is the PRISM trial. It's a phase one, phase two. And uh, this is also uh, another gene therapy, uh, which in this case is uh, encoded by uh, this retinotropic R100 capsid. It carries two different genes and carries the a gene producing inflibercept as well as a gene producing this microRNA, which inhibits VEGFC. Um, and this is an exciting technology because you're getting really broad, you know, pan VEGF inhibition. You get VEGF A, B, C, as well as political growth factor, all inhibited by this sort of cocktail of proteins being created in the eye, um, you know, by the uh, 4150 platform. What I think is really unique about this uh, 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 treatment uh is that it's intravitreally delivered, right? So we talked about the RGX314 as a subretinal injection. You know, this is an intravitreally injected um, gene therapy platform. However, unlike, uh, you know, some previous uh, intravitreal gene uh, therapy platforms as seen before, there was very modest inflammation seen in this phase one, two trial. And that's because this, uh, uh, this capsid or this vector is very retinotropic. So it's very specific for transducing RPE cells. And so you can administer a much smaller dose of the medication and so I think that's interesting because, you know, we're able to uh, uh, use an easier administration method, uh, but not have some of the downsides we see with other uh, intravitreally delivered gene therapies. Obviously, these patients did uh, have a 20-week a Durazol taper, but if you look at the data, at least for the three cohorts they presented, and this is 36-week 30, interim data, but n- uh, only one patient of the 15 required uh, additional topical steroid treatment after uh, the, the 20-week taper. Uh, and there was essentially no inflammation seen in the anterior chamber or vitreous cavity in any of these eyes. And again, similar to the RGX, RGX314, uh, we saw a very stable vision and relatively stable CRT over the course of the 36 weeks of the trial. So again, another interesting uh, gene therapy option. Uh, and again, I think, you know, from the standpoint of scaling a gene therapy, I think an intravitreal option is obviously better, but we can't do it with some of the inflammation we've seen with some of the other uh, platforms. Uh, you, uh, what did you think of the uh, 4150 data? I think one of the important aspects of gene therapy, as you mentioned, is what is the best route of delivery? You mentioned intravitreal or Regenerox does the subretinal, and other companies are looking at suprachoroidal. And so determining what is the best route for delivering these viral vectors and getting the best transfection of the cells to produce these anti-VEGF antibodies will be important question. And I think uh, all these companies are doing very exciting work. 
What about the CRISPR data that was at the ASRS? Eric, can you share us some exciting data from that? Uh, yeah. So, you know, full disclosure, this data was presented by Glenn Yu, who was my co-fellow at Duke. So obviously maybe there's a little bias in me, you know, wanting to talk about this uh, particular uh, uh, set of data. But uh, I really do think this is a very interesting approach to um, uh, inhibiting VEGF. This is sort of almost in the science fiction realm. And again, this is very early data. But you know, as we all know, CRISPR is this interesting endonuclease that uh, uh, can basically cleave DNA uh, and uh, you use guide RNAs to uh, set where you want to cut the RNA and it creates these uh, insertion deletion mutations, which basically ablates the gene. So instead of basically blocking VEGF, you're uh, removing the VEGF gene from the cells that are affected by um, CRISPR. And so it, it's a new kind of interesting gene ablation technology. And so again, this is very early. So he presented kind of a wide ranging uh, uh, set of data looking at in vitro and then in vivo in a mouse model, in vivo in a non-human primates. In the in vitro data, he did show a good a reduction of VEGF expression, about 30 to 40%. You know, in vivo, he used a mouse uh, CNV laser model, and they were able to achieve um, some level of VEGF suppression as well as inhibition of the CNV from the laser model. However, when they went on to non-human primates, they did show some VEGF inhibition and some reduction in CNV activity, but there was this strange retinal disruption that he showed uh, with this odd concentric macular ring defect and some subbulbial accumulation of this subretinal hyperreflective material. So obviously it's not ready for prime time, but I think, you know, the extent to which, um, you know, this is going to sort of beyond our current even thinking on gene therapy is very exciting to me. Do you think this is a viable uh, sort of approach going forward or are you worried um, about effects of, of editing patients' DNA, Diana? Well, I think CRISPR technology is very exciting, but also very controversial. And certainly we know that VEGF does play a role in the normal vasculature. So perhaps editing it out may have some possible safety concerns. So it's something to think about as we explore CRISPR in retinal vascular diseases. Eric, at the ASRS meeting, you also presented a very exciting sub-analysis of the photon study of high dose of Flibercept. Can you share with us your results? Uh, yeah, so uh, you know the sub-analysis uh, data that uh, I presented uh, had to do with um, looking at the baseline characteristics of patients who uh, were able to maintain, as well as patients who needed to shorten their dosing interval over the course of the 48 weeks of the uh, photon trial. And so what we found using univariable and multivariable regression analysis is that patients who had uh, lower baseline best corrective visual acuity and greater uh, baseline central retinal thickness uh, were more likely to need their dosing interval shortened. Uh, we also performed an ROC analysis to try and look for the optimal cut point, which would predict uh, which patients would need to have their dosing interval shortened. We found that patients with a CRT of greater than 470 microns or best corrective visual acuity of less than uh, 58 uh, ETDRS letters were more likely to need uh, shortening of their dosing interval. You know, what does this mean in the long term? Uh, you know, when we look at using uh, a flow of 8 milligram in clinic, if and when it's approved, uh, we'll have to look carefully at patients with worse disease at baseline and probably space them out more slowly as opposed to jumping, you know, from those initial three monthly loading doses out to 12 or 16 weeks, which, you know, to be honest, I think is fairly intuitive, um, but it's good to have that uh, data in hand when we're making clinical decisions. Great. That really shows us the art of medicine and individualizing the approach for each patient. Eric, I really enjoyed our discussion today, and it was great to share all of this latest news from the ASRS annual meeting in 2023. Thank you for joining us. 
And that's today's special spotlight. Thank you for joining us for this episode of PV Roundup Podcast. For more stories like these, visit us at pvroundup.com to subscribe to our weekly newsletters. Thoughts, comments, or suggestions? Please leave us a review on your preferred listening platform or email us at editorial at pvroundup.com. Subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, or Google. You can also download our Amazon Alexa Flash Briefing, Medical News Roundup, just ask, what's my flash briefing? Thanks today to our guests, Drs. Doe and Schneider, and to Sean Mullen and Kate Rio for production assistance. Join me next time for an episode where we cover the latest stories in the world of medicine. 